0: Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, March 8th. In today's news, Donald Trump asks witnesses to tell him what Bob Mueller wants to know. The president's lawyer goes to court to get a gag order against a porn star. And more heads roll at the VA. But first, the big idea. Trump's equivocation on tariffs highlights continuing chaos in the White House. If you don't like the president's position on a particular issue, just wait a day. It may change. Administration officials said late Wednesday night that Trump has changed his mind and now plans to offer Canada and Mexico a temporary exemption from new tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. The shift came after personal pleas from Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Top trade advisor Peter Navarro has insisted repeatedly over the last several days that there would be no such exemptions, even for our closest allies. But chaos continues to grip the White House, with different sources saying different things and people's stories constantly changing. It highlights how fluid the situation is. Some people told our reporters last night that the president plans to formally enact the tariffs at a 3.30 p.m. ceremony in the Oval Office. Then others called up to say that the details remain fluid and that they might postpone the announcement. We're not sure what's going to happen. One version of the plan that's being looked at would give Canada and Mexico a 30-day exemption from the tariffs, with the idea being that they would be dropped if there was progress in renegotiating the North American Free Trade Agreement. But government lawyers have struggled to reconcile Trump's public comments with the legal provisions they have been told to enforce. For example, Trump is saying that the tariffs are for national security reasons, but then he's trying to force Canada and Mexico to offer unrelated concessions in NAFTA. By publicly acknowledging this, he's spoiled the legal standing of the tariffs, a senior administration official says, making it harder for them to design the prohibitions. It's possible that Trump could put in place these tariffs, and then the World Trade Organization could call them illegal and force the United States to pay reparations to other countries, making the whole thing an exercise in futility. Steel industry leaders are now split over whether to exclude Canada, which is the largest source of imported steel. The United Steelworkers Union, which has numerous members in Canada, is pushing for the country to be excluded, arguing that America's northern neighbor trades fairly. But steel executives of U.S. companies are much more leery of an exemption and are lobbying against it. Blowback from congressional Republicans continues as Trump deliberates. Kevin Brady, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, released a letter signed by 107 House Republicans urging the president to tailor the tariffs so that they focus on China. The Republican Study Committee, which includes more than half of House Republicans, released another statement that describes tariffs as a tax on American consumers and businesses. Meanwhile, the European Union is preparing to retaliate hard against the U.S. by slapping tariffs on a wide range of American-made products, from yachts to peanut butter. The products targeted are chosen so as not to harm EU industries, which don't need those imports, and some of the targets are clearly designed to go after Republican-controlled red states. They want to hit Trump where it hurts. There's going to be a meeting in Brussels today by commissioners from all 28 member countries, and they plan to roll them out immediately if Trump goes ahead with his announcement. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, special counsel Bob Mueller's team has learned of two recent conversations in which Trump himself asked key witnesses in the Russia investigation about matters they discussed with the special counsel. In one episode, the president told an aide that the White House counsel Don McGahn should issue a statement denying a New York Times article in January that said McGahn had told investigators the president asked him to fire Mueller. McGahn never released a statement and later had to remind the president that he had indeed asked him to see that Mueller was dismissed. In another episode reported by the New York Times, Trump asked his former chief of staff Reince Priebus over for lunch and then pressed him about how his interview had gone with the special counsel he asked whether they had been nice. The episodes demonstrate that even as the special counsel's investigation appears to be intensifying, the president has ignored his lawyer's advice to avoid doing anything, publicly or privately, that could create the appearance of interfering with it. Legal experts say Trump's contact with the men most likely doesn't rise to the level of witness tampering, but witnesses and lawyers who learned about the conversations viewed them as a potential problem and shared them with Mueller. Separately, Mueller has obtained hard evidence that the January 2017 meeting on the Seychelles Islands was an effort to establish a back channel between Trump and the Kremlin. Blackwater founder Eric Prince and a Putin-linked investor were key players during the meeting. An advisor from the United Arab Emirates, George Nader, was also present. He's cooperating with Mueller. His account is considered key evidence, but not the only evidence about what happened. Also, former Trump campaign aide Sam Nunber, who just a few days ago went on TV insisting that he wouldn't cooperate with a Mueller subpoena, says he now will fully comply with the subpoena, and he plans to appear before a federal grand jury this Friday. Sounds like someone didn't want to go to jail for contempt. Meanwhile, NBC News reports that one day before her resignation, White House Communications Director Hope Hicks Acknowledged to the House Intelligence Committee that she no longer has access to one of her email accounts because it was hacked. It's not clear if Hicks was referring to a personal account or her Trump campaign account, but her assertion raises a host of questions about who might have compromised her emails as well as what information might have been obtained. Number two, the fallout from the Stormy Daniels saga continues. When asked whether Trump knew his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, had paid porn star. Stormy Daniels, $130,000 on the eve of the election to keep her quiet about an alleged affair, White House spokeswoman Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave a non-denial. Not that I'm aware of, she said. Cohen, meanwhile, obtained a secret restraining order against Daniels last week in an attempt to silence her. She's challenging the non-disclosure agreement that she signed by saying that Trump didn't sign it, so she is not bound by it. Most Republicans in Congress are trying to dodge this controversy altogether. They're being careful not to criticize Trump for allegations that would have sent previous White Houses into a tailspin. One notable exception is Representative Mark Sanford, the Republican from South Carolina who endured his own sex scandal in 2009 and says what Cohen did is troubling and worth investigating. Number three. Veterans Affairs Secretary David Shulkin announced sweeping personnel changes at hospitals and clinics across the country. The announcement comes in response to a report on management failures at the VA flagship center in D.C. Shulkin said he's replacing the leaders of about 20 medical centers across the country after outside teams identified low-performing hospitals. The report said that at least three VA program offices were aware of, quote, serious persistent deficiencies when Shulkin ran the Veterans Health Administration in 2015 and 2016. But Shulkin, who's already skating on very thin ice and at war with other Trump appointees in his own department, says that while managers at the local and regional levels were long aware of these problems, he himself was never made aware of them. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, March 8th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. I'll talk to you tomorrow.